Yo, 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 welcome to the Theta Gang Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGang.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. Just as a disclaimer, these are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Seriously, don't take it, or you're going to have a horrible Christmas and you're going to be looking forward to your gifts. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Uh, this week is pretty uneventful for earnings, uh, especially because, you know, on Thursday uh, it's we have off because of Thanksgiving. Just want to give a quick thank you to everyone that's signed up on the platform, and especially everyone that's been supporting me on Patreon, like Mr. IV and Mr. John Pitchko. Um, super thankful. We're going faster and faster. Um, it's getting kind of scary to a point where I'm going to start needing some sort of <laughs> some sort of help uh, just managing the growth of all this, but it's a nice problem to have, and I'm grateful to have it. I'm thankful to have it. Um, earnings this week are very uneventful, um, though I did get a private DM by Mr. Ryan Davidson, uh, who's a friend of mine uh, from FinTwit, and he gave me a quick summary on the highest IV uh, for earnings this week, um, and that is as listed now. So because uh, the market is closed on Thursday, there are no uh, earnings on Friday for this week as well. So all the action and all the suggestions that Mr. Ryan Davidson had pointed out are on Monday and Tuesday. So on Monday after close, which is, you know, if you're listening to this, the first day it comes out, this podcast episode, um, you have a semiconductor company called Umbrella, and that's A-M-B-A as the symbol, and they have 92% IV. And then uh, on Tuesday, before market open, meaning you should probably make the orders today if you're trying to play the IV game, uh, you have Burlington Coat Factory, uh, Abercrombie Fitch, and a Chinese stock named Momo. I believe Best Buy also reports this week, which is uh, pretty eventful because it is a retail. Uh, it's it's a retailer or like a it's a retail stock. So you know Target and um, any of those other companies that uh, have to do with consumer. Uh, power, uh, you know, there's gonna be eyes on Best Buy no matter what. So uh, maybe not, not it's not as trade worthy Best Buy, but definitely just keep an eye on it just to see how consumer strength is. And real quick, um, I'm also getting a lot of new followers on the podcast. So you know, if you're jumping in this episode and you're like wondering what the heck is IV, there are plenty of episodes. I actually very highly suggest that new listeners start from episode one and literally listen to all of it in chronological order because it will surprise you how much of this episode you'll understand by starting from episode one. Um, but otherwise, just as a recap, just so you, I don't want you to pause this episode because you're driving in the car and going to work. Uh, I don't want you to look at your phone because texting and driving is bad. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so IV is this premium that's added on top of a options contract on on top of its price so if something's more volatile it has a higher implied volatility which is what iv is and uh, option sellers capitalize on that because it usually does not move as much as it's implied so we scalp the difference there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, terminology that was used there, and I, I don't want to fully explain what IV is, especially since I've made previous episodes about it. But in a nutshell, that's what it basically is, is when we point out um, on this podcast, hey, 
these things have higher IV, it's suggesting to option sellers this is a good chance to sell options uh, to people who do think uh, the opposite will happen, that it will in fact move higher than the implied volatility suggests. Speaking of an uneventful week, last week my trading was very uneventful. I only opened one trade um, and that was for the CGC call credit spread. Um, I went in and I went out for a good 25%. That was because I noticed weed had a super fast surge um, and the RSI, it, I, have a, I have a great episode about this, uh, the relative strength indicator or the episode is called what is RSI and um, I noticed it was overbought. Uh, it was just people were FOMOing into the stock way too hard and um, you would just notice that the indicator was at like 80 or 90. It was it was pretty nuts. So I made a very textbook play. Um, I made a fast one. I went in with the thesis and I went, came out with a thesis. Um, it's just that that level of trading and especially since I was all cash basically, especially in my options portfolio, uh, I, I was pretty proud of myself for that because I, I didn't like rush to get into any sort of positions, but I did see an opportunity when I just went in and I secured the bag. Um, so one trade last week, one and one for one. Uh, this week I plan on selling puts on Disney. I don't see a real reason for Disney to go sky high. Maybe like from this froze these frozen headlines, there will be a pop uh, tomorrow morning on Monday. Um, but again. I, I can't justify buying calls for Disney, uh, but I can absolutely justify selling puts. Uh, there is multiple reasons why you would you would should feel safe selling puts, especially if you're in the theta game mindset, uh, because you know as you know if your puts get exercised, you, you have the chance to you know buy the stock at a cheaper price. So we'll go into more in depth about that later in the podcast. But selling puts on Disney. Uh, possibly selling puts on Boeing uh, or an iron condor on Boeing. Not, not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, that's my plan for this week. And let's go into the website updates. Oh, yeah. You're probably wondering why I didn't open a lot of trades last week. Not only was I just uncertain about where the market was going, um, I also was working really, really, really really hard on the notifications feature. Um, it's enough to have a full-time job, but then to have a full-time job and then trade, but then also a full-time job trade and work on the website. It's like a triangle that I can only ever have two of. And so I basically chose to do, um, you know, work and of course, uh, theta gang updates. So now you can mention or tag people with the at symbol and they'll get a notification in their notifications tab and you'll get a notification when anyone ever replies to your post which was huge uh, it's a huge feature request from everyone because everyone was so tired of scrolling through the front page uh, trying to find the post that they um, that they originally wrote hoping that someone might have replied but now you have a notifications tab so just log in hopefully you know where it is I am still working on a good user experience for you to know when you have a notification so you don't have to click on it um, without you know knowing that you in fact do have a notification there waiting for you. Uh, but that's coming very, very soon because that part is way easier than actually implementing the notifications. So I got the hard part done. Um, but next coming up is closing trades. So this is going to be the biggest update to ThetaGang.com I think ever. 
And so I'm going to hope to get it out by 2020. And I, no, 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 F that. I'm going to promise you it will be out by 2020. I just need to do it in the best way possible. I've gotten a lot of feedback. I have lots of ideas. Expect to be able to close your trades and see analytics of your trades on your own profile. I think it's going to be super cool. I'm super excited. Uh, let's get this bread. One last thing before we get into today's topic, I just want to say thank you to all 755 of you that have signed up on ThetaGang.com. We are growing faster than ever. We have more engagement on the site, like more than ever. And we have people that I've seen post and suggest trades that were A1 trades. Um, it's just insane how many p smart people there are doing the same strategies and I feel like uh, we're finally creating this platform where everyone can share their ideas in an efficient way because you know obviously trading sh uh, trade ideas uh, through text like if you type out I'm going to sell this um, you know put credit spread on this day at this price everyone has a different way of formatting those words everyone has their own jargon but because I'm implementing these this trade feature I feel like it gives us a central place to really share trade ideas better um, so, again, thank you to all 755 of you that have signed up already. If you have not signed up, I greatly urge you to do so. Um, there's a lot of cool perks coming your way. Uh, otherwise, enjoy. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about today's topic, selling puts. Um, it's much like the last episode of selling calls. Uh, you could very much flip uh, the logic vice versa of the last episode. Um, and it would make a lot of sense in putting it in this one. Though, I think selling puts is better than selling calls. Um, as you know or you might not know, selling puts is a bullish strategy and selling calls is a bearish strategy. And as you might know, the stock market always tends to go up. So I'm always in favor of bullish strategies or selling puts. Okay, so there's a lot of different ways we can talk about this. Um, selling calls and selling puts. Let's go and talk about the downsides of both, uh, the extreme downsides of both, of like where you can lose a lot of money. Again, this only applies to naked strategies. Uh, I think the very next episode will be finally talking about the spread, um, which is where all of these strategies really start to come together um, for people that either don't have a lot of capital to work with or that don't want to take on uh, undefined risk. But if you don't understand what that means, don't worry about it. We'll go into the next episode. Uh, but let's talk about what could catastrophically go wrong on a naked put or a naked call. So for example, let's talk about last week's episode uh, just as a review. If you are bullish on Apple and you sell a call, you are inherently bearish because you are selling a call option that is higher than the stock price uh, right now because you don't think it'll go higher than that price so let's say for example Apple is trading at a hundred dollars uh, you know what you think hey Apple just went up 20 bucks last week it was at 80 bucks now it's trading at 100 bucks what's the chances it'll go up to 105 so then you say hey I don't think Apple is gonna go up to 105 so I'll sell the 105 call you can see why that's bearish because you're not believing that the stock is bullish because you believe that there will be a um, either a stagnation of the stock price or a decline of the stock price. So that's why you chose to sell a call. 
But let's say if that selling of the call went catastrophically wrong and Apple goes up to 200 off some catastrophic news, um, you're now $1,000 uh, in the red and you're probably going to get margin called. Um, but more importantly, when someone exercises that 105 price, you now have to purchase uh, 100 uh, Apple shares at $200 because you have to um, you know, fill this promise or fulfill this obligation that this other person wanted to exercise on you with a 105 call. So he, uh, you know, decides or she, I mean, you know what, F it, I'm just going to say she, <laughs> she exercises the cost uh, of 105 and now you have to come up with 100 Apple shares to sell her because you, by selling the call to her, she is now allowed to buy 100 Apple stocks at 105 you sold her the call. So when she decides to exercise it, Apple right now is trading at 200. Her buying the Apple stock at 105 is a great deal. She took the risk and you took the risk, but she won. So when she exercises the call at 105, you have to go to uh, Uncle Sam or the, the stock market and say, hey, uh, I want 100 shares of Apple. And then you know the stock market's gonna be like, okay, that's 200 bucks each. You have to shell out that promise. You buy the 100 shares of uh, stock at 200 and you sell it to her for 105. That's what happens when something catastrophically goes wrong with selling a call, is that you lose that difference uh, because you have to fulfill an obligation there. Whew. I hope that made sense. If most of it makes sense, that's amazing. Um, otherwise, if you don't get everything, I hope it starts to click once I start explaining why uh, selling a put can go catastrophically wrong or why, how it actually really can't, um, you know, with enough with enough explanation. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, the Apple example, but selling a put instead. So you're bullish on an Apple. Apple is currently trading at $100 and you decide to sell the $90 put because you think Apple will go down 10% maybe in two weeks because you think that there's going to be something said at the keynote that's going to be, um, you know, pretty good, um, but not horrible. So you think the price is either going to stay flat or it's going to go up. So um, selling a put, again, is a bullish strategy. Now, let's say, for example, at the keynote, uh, Mr. Tim Cook, says the n-word or some some really bad thing and the stock goes down 50 percent now you are in a world of trouble though that world is marginally small compared to the trouble that you'd find yourself if uh you know the calls went bad uh, when a put goes bad uh it's a little different so the apple goes down to 50 bucks what I would suggest to you at this time would be to exercise your put and buy 100 shares of Apple at 90 bucks. So you're probably wondering, Junie, yo, that sounds super bad. Uh, that sounds horrible. And uh, my response is, yes, that is, in fact, pretty bad, um, though it is not the end of the world. So. The major difference I hope that you could catch from these two examples is when you sell a call and it goes catastrophic or wrong, uh, you owe money, right? Because, uh, you know, say for example, I sold the call to the girl, um, let's call her Jenny, and like I sold the call to Jenny, and Jenny wanted to buy 
the 100 shares of Apple for 105 um, at the end of the contract. And, you know, the, it's, the stock is trading at 200. That sucks because I now have to go buy 200 or 100 shares of Apple stock for 200 and then sell it to Jenny for that $95 difference on each share. So that's uh, that's me being down 9,500 bucks. So in the, at the end of all that, uh, all the assignment and all that exercise is me being down the whole $9,500, which is a lot of money, right? Or it's relative. Uh, it's a lot to me. Um, so now uh, you, you flip that around. And let's say, for example, um, I sold the put to Jenny. Um, you know, what the difference there is when, you know, Apple goes down to 50 bucks, uh, Jenny is now allowed to sell, uh, the stock back to me for 90. So the diff the, there's a, there's a slight difference here where the outcome of selling a put going catastrophically bad nets me shares as long as it can cover the cost. So that's what you call a cash-covered put. A cash-covered put is typically naked. I don't know if there is really any other cash-covered option um, that, that has that prefix called cash-covered. But that's, that's the major difference there. So a call goes catastrophically bad, you owe money, and only money. A put goes catastrophically bad, you you might have to buy it at a higher cost than it is at this current moment but you net shares that is the biggest difference so apple craters down to 50 bucks um, jenny gets a great deal because she's allowed to sell it to me for 90 bucks right uh, and i have to end up buying the shares for 90 bucks Though it was cheaper for when I did originally sell the put. I sold the put when Apple was trading at 100 bucks. Let's just say maybe when I sold it, I was at, I told myself, hey, I'm fine with purchasing it for 90 if it does get exercised. That's fine. I, myself, this option seller, did not expect it to go down to 50. But hey, it's better than just owing someone money. Rather, I'd rather just buy the shares and hold on to them because I firmly believe that the market will go up. Oh, okay, so that was a lot. And I hope in that ramble, a lot of that made sense. Um, but again, if I could just have you, you know, get out of the car with a smile on your face and walk into your office knowing that you learned one thing in this podcast is that, again, when a put goes catastrophically bad, you end up just purchasing shares at a lower cost than when you originally entered the option trade when you go catastrophically wrong on a call you owe money <laughs> and i hope that turns you off from selling naked calls um and you know maybe it even turns you off from selling naked puts the next episode um writing and selling spreads or maybe i'll start off with buying them so you get the flip side first um will shed a lot of light on how you can define your risk and dis, uh, define the size of your steamroller. This is actually a huge round table circle to the first episode because the first episode I talk about pennies in front of a steamroller. Uh, the next episode, after learning 19, this is episode 19, going through all 19 episodes, 
uh, now we're going back to the first episode, seeing if that mates or <laughs> mates makes more sense. So super excited. Uh, that's that's basically it all in a nutshell. Um, because the pricing and all that is still very much the same logic uh, from the last episode. And just to just to recap, let's say for example, um, you know, Apple is trading at 100. You sell the 90 put. Pop quiz. If Apple by expiration is trading at 91, you keep all your premium or do you not keep all your premium? You keep all your premium because it is very much out of the money because it needed to be $90 and below for it to make sense for the other person to exercise you uh, on the option. Otherwise, it doesn't quite make sense. It quite doesn't make sense uh, for them to do it because it would just cost them more money to do so, or it wouldn't be a sound strategy for them. Lastly, I just want to cap uh, cap this topic on why I love this strategy so much, or why I love selling put spreads so much. Not so much naked puts, but just like selling puts in general. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a dark side in me that thinks like, hey, maybe you know this market is in fact in a bubble. You know, debt is is a thing, China is a thing, all this stuff is a thing. But there's this also there's this there's a side of me where I'm just like, I get this satisfaction from just seeing, you know, bears just get wrecked. It like it like feeds my soul when people think that they're smarter than like millions of other people trying to time the market and when there's like this slow melt up and I'm selling puts like I'm just like literally sucking on my fingers like after like eating like a nice like fried chicken like like it's like (laughs) it feels so good right so many people are calling for a recession so many people are doing this so many people are doing that all I'm trying to do is shed light on a strategy where you know if there is flat trading or you know the market's not really going anywhere or maybe it's going somewhere but it's going really slow selling puts is the ultimate strategy for that because you're only betting that the market won't go down it could go sideways it could go up um, but you're just betting it won't go down and you know in fact if it does go down and I make this point over and over again in all my episodes uh, when you sell or when you buy an option you not only have to be right in the direction, like correct in the direction, but you have to also be correct in the magnitude, right? So when you trade or when you sell a put, uh, you know if the if the stock price of whatever you're selling a put on goes down, it, it's not the end of the world. It still has to go down below your uh, strike price, and it also has to go a little bit past that even too. Because you got paid a premium, so that increases uh, your break even. So, you know, there's just so many reasons uh, why selling calls is better, especially if you're newer, which sounds almost, it's, it sounds too uh, too contradictory to say, because it, it, you know, it does involve a little bit more complex knowledge, but it sets you up for success in a way where you're more comfortable with just winning more frequently but less. I think swing trading is a little bit dangerous, though, again, I say over and over again, there's a lot of 
successful swing traders. I've done a few swing trades myself that have gone really, really well and some that have gone really, really bad. But uh, I think I finally found the strategy that I like. I think selling options is a lot less uh, stressful. Uh, it's a lot more fun uh, because you're just winning a lot more often. You don't have to monitor any trades. I literally look at my computer uh, for trading for like, like twice, three times a day. And I know back when I used to swing trade, I used to like look at it all the time. I used to have it on my monitors up at all times. Uh, it's very different now, and I enjoy that very much. Um, so yeah, selling puts, um, that, that's it. It's also the beginning of the wheel strategy, which uh, I'll go ahead and briefly touch upon. Um, I know Mr. Mikey Millions or Kamikaze Cash on YouTube uh, does a very excellent uh, YouTube series on the wheel strategy, um, which is very much starting with selling a put. And then, you know, if you're forced to buy the options, then you start selling the calls on the options. It, it's a great strategy. Um, it though it does its best when the market is flat, uh, because any any strategy gets trumped by the S and P uh, really uh, on the uh, very very long term. So you know, definitely choose your battles, choose your strategies, um, choose them well. Time your strategies. Maybe a different strategy for uh, what the market outlook is like. Um, but right now, I'm very much just selling calls when things are get overbought by the RSI over indi RSI indicator, and uh, you know, selling puts when the RSI indicator is too low, um, as well as you know, maybe I'll see some good due diligence on Twitter or stock tweets or any of that stuff, um, you know, Reddit, and maybe I'll uh, sell the options uh, according to that idea. Uh, I know Mr. Hulk Capital on Twitter. Uh, he's an excellent trader. I, I love seeing his tweets. He's very bullish on Disney. So I'm thinking this week I'm going to be selling puts on Disney um, uh, because, you know, I don't want to go in on calls because it's just not my thing. I don't like buying options anymore. Um, but I will sell the puts um, to see how that thesis works out. Um, otherwise, look out for my trades this week. I'll be a lot more active trading on the trades page. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This one was uh, a bit of a opinionated one. Uh, I didn't do a lot of explanation on uh, the logistics because I feel like you could just, again, flip or use the logistics in the Naked Calls uh, episode last week and apply it to this one. I just gave you more reasons on why I think you know Naked Puts or just Puts in general are a little bit better, uh, at least in my taste. Um, yeah. Alrighty, it's the end of the episode. Uh, this is just another extended shout-out to Mr. IV and Mr. John Pitchko. Thank you so much for supporting me on Patreon. Please follow me on Twitter at RealThetaGang. You can email me at Juni at ThetaGang.com. You'd be surprised how fast I res respond to you. Uh, I'm definitely not at that level where you know I'm too busy to answer back. If you have any any questions, if you want to send me, you know, some uh, some nice, thoughtful messages, I always love those. I always uh, love drinking coffee and reading those. Those are super awesome. Thank you guys so much for the ones that have done so already. Um, and you know, if you want to give me feedback on the site, I take feedback super seriously. You think one part of the website is whack? I think it's whack too. If you think, you know, another web part of the website is great but could use this tweak. I love suggestions. Uh, send me uh, notifications at juniathetagang.com. You can support me on patreon.com slash thetagang uh, while getting super sick perks like flares and real-time trade alerts. I know there's a lot of 
um, people wanting uh, to be able to know when exactly I open a trade and you can actually do that you can go on patreon donate $20 a month and you get real-time trade alerts uh, sent straight to your phone don't need to download an app it will be sent to you via text message super easy um, and also you can have your personal message written on the ticker at the top of the website I thought that was a pretty a dank meme thing that I can do uh, for my you know redditors out there um, and lastly Thady Gang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks and signing up with Thady Gang referral is a huge huge help um, there's a lot of people that have signed up through Tastyworks already uh, I feel like I'm making a pretty cool impact, uh, you know, inviting you guys to this platform. It's it's a really good one. Um, if you're selling options, if you need to manage uh, multiple trades, you absolutely need to get off of Robinhood. Robinhood is great if you're buying options, uh, but not so great if you're selling options just because the UI doesn't help reflect that um, or reflect, you know, how deep you are in the money on certain things and how out of the money you are on others. Um, and you know lots of those indicators are super helpful like probability of profit and IV are much better represented in Tastyworks than it is in Robinhood. Lastly, one more time, it's Thanksgiving week on Thursday. Stark Market is in fact closed. Just want to go and say one last thanks to all of you that helped make ThetaGang.com what it is um, and trusting me in delivering you the fintwit that you all deserve. We're killing it. Closing trades and analytics coming soon.